0: great to be in Ballatin again. I was telling Mary in the car last night how uh, rich we feel, how wealthy we feel with friendships here and there are people you may not see for months and then such friendships to rekindle and you quickly, you, you really lose nothing by not seeing each other for a little while. Brothers and sisters in Christ all over, there's nothing like it. And for these last six years now, we've been in a different town every weekend, ministering in a different church. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, it's amazing some things that are going on in the kingdom of God. And I know even as our culture around us turns more and more schizophrenic, we can sometimes feel like, wow, it's really a sad scenario. But don't let anyone convince you there's not some amazing things going on Uh, all over. The kingdom of God is advancing. Uh, Not just little things, but big things that God is doing. And some of the places we're in are, you know, large, like cities of millions. Sometimes we're in towns that are small. Uh, Large churches, small churches, medium-sized churches, but everywhere God is doing some amazing things. And sometimes it isn't talked about that much, definitely not in the media, right? So you can only rely on word of mouth and the sense from God that He is at work. And don't be discouraged if all around you it feels like things are becoming darker. That was actually prophesied, wasn't it, in the Scripture? And so it's not a total surprise that we'd feel like our country is becoming more and more schizophrenic in its existence. And it's a sad thing. But as Christians, we continue to be the light and believe God to advance His kingdom in this place that we call the United States of America. So it's been our privilege for six years to see in these different towns and in these different churches... What God is doing. At the same time, uh, we've noticed some similarities from church to church, many of them good, many of them uh, victorious similarities, but a few that concern us. Uh, one is that everywhere we go, whether it's a small town, a large city, a large church, a small church or a meeting-sized church, people, believers, are saying they just wish their life wasn't so busy. That their lives weren't so complicated. That their lives weren't so stressful. This, too, is not a big surprise. Uh, You know, it says in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 9, Jesus went about preaching and teaching in every town and village. And there are days I feel a little bit like that. Every town, every village. And it said that he had compassion on the people. And the reason was because they were harassed and helpless. ...like sheep that had no shepherd. And we see this in our culture, but the thing I'm concerned about is I'm seeing it in some of the churches. And so I want to speak to that a little bit, little bit this morning, uh, that we do not have to be helpless. We have a good shepherd. And even if we feel like we're a bit harassed, that's just part of our culture. I was reading uh, yesterday, or it was actually Friday... On the internet, every year, they do this study with the American Psychological Association and the Harris Poll Group, and they do this survey all around our country. And they have found consistently for the past five years that over 75% of the adult population in the United States of America feel way stressed out, over 75%, to the point that they feel is detrimental to their own health. So it's not a surprise that we would feel these kind of things because we are, you know, in churches, we're believers, but we're also in this culture, and it presses in around us. But we have a shepherd. We have a shepherd. We don't have to feel helpless. And actually, he helps us so that we don't have to feel harassed. And the other sad thing about this article was it says people are also saying they have difficulty implementing any changes that they know will decrease their stress. I'd like to share with us today, Shepherd Jesus has some remedies, and he also gives us the grace to implement the changes so that we don't have to say, along with the rest of our culture, I feel harassed and helpless, but quite the opposite. I feel at peace, and I feel my help comes from God. Almighty God who created me and understands me, who knows my frame, he knows That we live in a stressed out culture. And it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. You like country western music? No? I see some people shaking their heads. I like kind of all kinds of music. And every now and then I like a country western one. I'm not stuck on it. But there's a guy named Ricky Skaggs who's a country western Christian singer. Uh, Good man. Loves the Lord has a great family. They love each other. And he used to sing this song that we love the chorus. It goes like this. Simple life is a life for me. A man and a wife and a family. family and the Lord up above who knows I'm trying to live a simple life in a difficult time. And then after that, you know, that kind of thing. But the sense of that simple chorus is we're trying to live a simple life in a difficult time. And that begs the question, does God himself Want us to live a simple life. I mean, after all, we're only on earth for a very short period of time. We got a lot to do. Maybe this whole, you know, stressful thing is part and parcel of what God has for us. You know what I think? No. Because God's word is abundantly clear that He, in fact, has a simplicity for us that will actually minister to our souls and make us more powerful, it'll make us more effective. If we receive the simplicity that God has that is so clearly seen in His Word. For example, Micah 6.8, we repeat this verse many times over the year in churches. He has shown you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Doesn't that sound simple? I love it. How about Psalm 46, verse 10? Be still and know that I am God. Couldn't get much simpler than that. Be still and know that I am God. When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. But he didn't stop there. He said, on these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. Wow. That would have been somewhere over 1,200 requirements Seen in the law and the prophets that Jesus is saying, it just hangs on these two things. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. Jesus gained a reputation for taking complicated things and making them simple. While the Pharisees gained a reputation for taking simple things and making them complicated. And Jesus said, you bind up these loads and you make people carry them on their back. Things which you yourself are not willing to carry. Well, that's the kind of culture we live in. Consciously or unconsciously, purposely or not purposely, we get these loads that we carry on our back that God does not intend us to carry. We would do well to pay attention to Jesus who said these two things and on this hang all the law and the prophets. Now, if you were to back up and look at Micah 6, 8 again, uh, he has shown you a man what is good. What does the Lord require of you? Well, about 1,200 things. So sit down because we're going to get started here. Right? We'd be toast. We'd be stressed beyond belief. We can't do it. We've proved over the centuries and the millennia that we cannot do it. But we have a good shepherd. He has shown you, a man what is good. These simple things. The greatest commandment, love the Lord and love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew 13, Jesus is teaching parables, and one of them is the sower and the seed. And of course, he talks about where the seed falls in different places. And then he has to interpret this parable to his disciples. And he says, some of the the seeds fall among thorns, and the seeds begin to grow up, but then the thorns grow up, and it chokes the life out of this good seed, out of this good plant. And then Jesus interprets it for him, and he says, the thorns that choke the life out of this good seed is two things. It's the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. That's how we get harassed and helpless. That's how we get to this place of stress. It's the worries of life. And notice he doesn't say, and wealth. He says, and the deceitfulness of wealth. Because wealth is a good thing. So Jesus is careful, I believe, to use these words, the deceitfulness of wealth. What is the deceitfulness of wealth? That, number one, it could bring us happiness? doesn't. Number two, that it can solve our problems? It won't. Thirdly, that it should be our main goal? It's not. So the deceitfulness of wealth can choke out that, that very simple life that the Lord has in mind for us that glorifies him. So we could say, okay, God, if this simple life is in fact something you have for us, that it shows in your word, then why doesn't it just happen? I believe it's seen in two words, complex versus complicated. God has made us very complex. He designed us. So he made our lives to be complex, and the definition from the dictionary is just simply complex is consisting of many different and connected parts. How many believe your life is complex? Many different and connected parts. Your family, your loved ones, your job, your community, your church, your school. Right? All these things. Many and different connected parts. But the word complicated means making something more difficult or confusing. And the religious leaders in Jesus' day were masters at making something more difficult and confusing whereas Jesus mastered taking complicated things and making them simple. I'm sharing with us today, and I'm exhorting us, receive this from the Lord, that as part of your Christian walk, it's to have an uncomplicated life. Where it may be complex, part of God's will for you is to have an uncomplicated life. There's so many things of course, that can be said about simplicity, that that in itself could take up all our time this morning, but I want to share just a few things about it. Yes, it's true, life is complex. We have many different relationships. We have lots of responsibilities. However, life does not have to be complicated because we're making it more difficult and confusing ourselves. It's possible, I believe, to live a simple life. Here's some things that will help get us there. First of all, don't let other people decide for you. Decide for yourself. Whatever you may think of the election that we just had, everyone on both sides agrees this, the people were influenced by others more than any other election we've had through the media. People literally let others decide for them what they were going to think, rather than thinking themselves, and researching themselves. That's just one little example of how we often let others decide for us. Secondly, if you want to live this kind of life, don't conform to the culture around you. That's right. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Rather, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you want a life That is not simple. One that can be defined. By the word complicated. Just conform to the culture around you. And things will get so complicated. You won't be able to handle it. If you want a life. That is actually simple. Uncomplicated. Even while it's complex. You don't conform. To the culture around you. The third thing is. Don't overthink. We're. We, we are wonderful at this, overthinking. Some time ago, I was reading an article, and the title of the article, I love the title itself, it's The Perils of Overthinking. You've got to love that. The Perils of Overthinking. The author was saying, sometimes we spoil a simple truth by overanalyzing it. Rather than just receiving it by faith, taking it into our hearts and acting on it swiftly, acting on it joyously, we imagine that by analyzing it and proving it over and over relentlessly, we will somehow improve on it. It was meant to help. Instead, it's become another burden, another problem. There's three things that impressed me about this article. One was the title, The Perils of Overthinking. The second thing that impressed me was in a magazine called Trust. The third thing is that it was written in 1918. I look at this and I go, wow, this is not a new thing. Well, of course it's not a new thing because in the gospel, Jesus himself had a heart for these people, compassion on them because they were harassed. So don't let others decide for you. Don't conform to the culture around you. And don't overthink. Western sociologists have traced in our Western culture for centuries the changes that have taken place from pre-modern to modern to what we live in now, which is known as postmodern or pluralistic or both, really. Now we might look at that and say, well, yeah, sociologists, you know what? That sounds really boring. But when it starts creeping into the church, suddenly it's beyond boring. Even though it sounds boring, it's affecting you. The pre-modern thought was, this is right and this is wrong. Simple. But in the modern thinking, it's, well, you know, it's not just black and white. There's some gray areas and we need to question everything, especially the Bible. And now the post-modern culture that we live in says, the only thing that's right for me is what I feel is right for me. And what's right for you is right for you. And the only wrong I can commit is by saying you're wrong. Sounds crazy, but that's what our culture is like, and this is what's creeping into the church. Well, we can dispense with all that and realize that we aren't called to conform to our culture, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind and not overthinking and not letting others decide for us. I'd like to take just a little uh, rabbit trail for a minute and and actually talk about the holidays, because they're upon us. We've just celebrated Thanksgiving And then we celebrated the wonderful thing that comes after Thanksgiving called Black Friday, (laughs) right? The celebration of celebrations. Just kidding. Uh, But we have something coming up soon we call Christmas. And again, we have a choice. We can live a simple life in regard to these holidays we're about to experience and have experienced, or we can make them overcomplicated. How many know that God actually invented holidays? It was his idea in the first place. He said that he wanted his children to go out into the desert and celebrate a festival. And one thing you see in all these festivals in the scripture, it was unto the Lord. That's simple. Unto the Lord. And the purpose of them was just one simple thing that they could remember. Wow, that's easy. If we just did this with all of our holidays, we'd be right on if in fact the Holy One was in the midst of our holidays, if in fact Jesus was the celebrity for all our celebrations, if in fact He was the purpose for all our parties and the focus for all our festivities and the star for all our gatherings and the Christ in our Christmas, we'd be right there. We would be right there, keeping it simple. So, he wanted his people to go out and have this festival unto him and it was to remember. And to this day, Jewish people celebrate these things, some of them forgetting, some of them remembering that God did that thing back then. But all the holidays we have now is for the simple purpose of remembering. If you read George Washington's proclamation proclamation about Thanksgiving and Abraham Lincoln's proclamation about Thanksgiving, it's simple. Just remember that all God has done for this nation, and give thanks. And we make it complicated. And then Christmas is upon us soon. You have two choices. Keep it simple or make it complicated. And if you keep it simple, what you will be doing is you'll be remembering. Why do we need these things? Shouldn't we remember? Mm -hmm. You know, think about communion. Mm -hmm. Wow, here we are, Christians, we come to church For heaven's sakes, can't we remember that Jesus bled for us? Can't we remember that his body was broken for us? Actually, no, we can't. We don't remember. So God has given us this wonderful thing called communion. So when we come together, we are reminded, and we literally do as the Bible says, in remembrance of him, that his blood was shed, that his body was broken. This is God's grace to give us these things. And I'm exhorting us. In this time of the holidays, keep it simple. Stay on message with your holidays. In fact, let the Holy One be the center of your holiday, the celebrity of your celebrations, the purpose for your party, the focus of your festivity, the star of your gathering, the Christ of your Christmas. So that was just a little rabbit trail back to simplicity back to the simple life that I believe God wants us to live I said three things don't let others decide for you don't conform to your culture and don't overthink but those were all negative I want to turn around now come back to this and put it in the positive decide for yourself think Bible not just American and let the word of God dwell in you decide for yourself The scripture makes it quite clear if we want a simple life that not only glorifies God but keeps us sane we have to make intentional decisions. We have to decide for ourselves and not let the mass culture around us decide for us. For example, someone was even saying this earlier today perhaps in the service or maybe in adult Sunday school I don't remember but Moses stood before the people and he said now what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult. It's not too difficult for you. It's not beyond your reach, said Moses. I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. And I look at that and I go, come on, wait a minute. If I'm an Israelite sitting out there in the congregation and I hear Moses say that, am I actually even going to think? Would it even cross my mind to say, hey, I would like to choose curses today? No. No. The point that Moses is trying to make is if you don't decide intentionally to choose blessing in life, then what will happen is the masses around you who are influencing you will decide for you and it will be a curse and it will be death. We want to live a simple life that glorifies the Lord and brings us much joy. Then we need to be intentional about our decision and not let others decide for us. Joshua said something similar. He said, if serving the Lord seems undesirable for you, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Fast forward into the New Testament, we see Jesus talking to Martha and Mary. And he begins to correct Martha. Now, sometimes we think, wow, he was really hard on her. But listen, he was not correcting her because she was serving In fact, Jesus himself said, if you want to be great in my kingdom, learn to be what? The servant of all. So I'm sure Jesus was glad that Martha was serving. But once again, there was an issue. He said, Martha, Martha, you are what? Worried and upset about many things. Which brings to mind the earlier one that I said in Matthew 13, the thorns that choke the life out of the good crop. What was it about? The worries of life. The deceitfulness of wealth. Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. But only a few things is necessary. And then he said, Mary has chosen. Folks, we have to be intentional with our decisions. What we do with our time. What we do with our focus. To stay in that place of a simple life that God has. Decide for yourself. Think Bible. Think Bible. Don't think just American. America is a great country. I love America. I thank God every day for the freedoms I have. Do you? I thank God every day for the uh, prosperity that we have. That we might preach the gospel around the world. But with our culture turning schizophrenic all around us, we must think Bible and not just American. In the gospel... Chapter 3 of of the book of Acts, I'm sorry, say that again. In the book of Acts, chapter 3, we see men who were preaching the gospel. And then as they were walking up to the temple, they healed a man who was both crippled and begging. Peter and John preaching the gospel, the good news about who Jesus was. And they get to this man who holds out his hand for alms or for handout. And they say to this guy, Sorry, but we don't have any silver or gold. But what we do have, we'll give to you. It's really good news. Listen up. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And what happened? The guy did. Wow. We would say something like, Wow, I can't believe it. Even though we prayed it. Wow. And it happened. And this guy is so beside himself with joy. The scripture says he went walking and leaping. Wouldn't you? I would. I'd both walk and leap. And he came into Solomon's porch, the courts of the temple there, and, and he was literally hanging onto Peter and John. And Peter used that as a time to give a short sermon. What an opportunity. Talk about a visual aid. Perfect. Better than any PowerPoint. You see this man who stands before you? And this is what the first thing Peter said. Why does it surprise you, O men of Israel? This is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the same God that we've had all these festivals for over the years. Why was it that the men of Israel were so surprised? It's because the Jewish faith at that point had become nothing but formalism and words. And I tell you, there's a message for America in that. We have to watch out that our Christianity doesn't just become formalism and words. So instead of letting others decide for us, we make intentional decisions. Instead of just thinking American, we think Bible. And when God does some wonderful things everywhere we go, we're not surprised. Because it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're not blown away. When we pray and we ask in the name of Jesus and then we see it done, we don't say, wow, I can't believe it. I'm really surprised. No. We become accustomed to Almighty God, the powerful God, to whom we were singing about in our worship, working on our behalf for His glory. Instead of overthinking, you let the Word of God have its way in you. That's right. Paul says this in his letter to the Colossians Let the Word of God dwell in you richly. I love that. It's so simple, it's so uncomplicated. And what is it about the word let that we don't understand? (laughs) Let the Word of God dwell in you richly. Don't overthink, don't pummel it with your doubt. Just receive the truth of the Word into you. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. It's not complicated. It's not complicated. What does it mean to let as opposed to complicating it? Sometimes we complicate it because of the messenger. I'm speaking the word of God to you this morning from scripture. Maybe you don't like my shirt. Maybe you don't like my voice. Maybe you think I have a face that's good for radio. Maybe there's something about me you don't like, but I'm just the messenger. You know, you can hear the word of God through a variety of human messengers, but if it's going to have its way in you, don't overthink about the messenger. Don't overthink about the setting. Don't overthink about anything. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Don't hinder it. Because if we hinder it, we're not letting. You know, if I say to Bob, let me help you. And he says, no, no, that's okay, I've got it, I've got it. I can't help him. But if I say to Bob, let me help you. And he goes, sure, come on. I could use some help. Then I can help him. Paul says, let the word of God. Don't hinder it. Don't say, no, no, I got it, I've got it. Let it. How can we sometimes hinder? it? It's very clear by the words of Jesus and the other apostles and the apostles in Scripture. We hinder it sometimes, as I said, because of the messenger. Sometimes we simply... Overthink it. We don't receive by simple faith. Sometimes. We have formalism or tradition. That negates. The word of God. Jesus said that. Thus you nullify. The word of God. By your tradition. That you have handed down. And Jesus said. And you do many things. Like that. I believe. Even while we're here today. God wants to set some of us free from stress, being harassed, feeling helpless against this stuff. 75% of our culture says they feel overly stressed to the point that it's affecting their health and they don't know how to make changes to get better. Do we want to be in the 75%? No. We want to be in that place as it says we have a good shepherd who understands that we're being harassed. and We do not need to feel helpless because he's here to help us. Let's pray together. I'm not going to call you to the front at this time, but I'm going to ask you simply to respond so I can pray. If you feel in a place this morning where stress is taking its toll, possibly even affecting your health, but for sure affecting your joy, raise your hand. Just briefly raise your hand. Thank you, and you can put it down. If you feel in some way That you can relate to that scripture where you feel harassed. Perhaps out of control. Maybe you don't feel like, you know, I'm just not living, living in simplicity like I could. Please raise your hand. Very good. Thank you. Lord, you see these hands and you saw these hearts even before they raised their hands. And Lord, it's only by your grace we can live in this place that you have for us. Of not being overcomplicated. Of not overcomplicating life. Lord, we come to you asking through Jesus Christ that you will touch hearts this morning. You will minister to souls. We pray, Lord, you would give a freshness to people who are here that feel stressed. Or harassed, We also ask through Jesus that He would give us the grace and the ability to make changes where changes are needed so that it wouldn't be like the culture around us that doesn't even know how to implement changes. Father, we ask for your help to make changes. That we could live lives that glorify you. Lives that we in fact can stay healthy and finish strong. Lives that minister that joy into our hearts. Because we know that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Through Jesus we pray. Thank you Lord. Amen don't be in a hurry to leave here today because there's plenty of opportunity to get more prayer and ministry. And in case you didn't pick it up in my voice, I just want to say it literally. This is a serious thing. It's a serious thing in our culture. It does not have to be something that sidetracks us or waylays us or causes us to be spiritually, emotionally, or physically unhealthy. Please, don't leave. Don't be in a hurry. Get prayer. Get help. Let someone pray with you. Most of all, know that you have a good shepherd and you are not helpless because you have a good shepherd.